With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, we're back. You can't get rid of us that easily, Matt. Back-to-back podcast two days in a row. It's wild. Bull season. Still putting in work. That's right. MWR.com is the website where you can find previews, Q&As. Matt has uh, taken in charge of doing, which is a great resource to know these other teams because I don't know Chilean all that well. I don't know Houston all that well. But guess what? You'll get to know them here. And if you go read this stuff, you chat with a couple of guys. So we ready to yeah, go. Special, special shout out, by the way, to uh, Fear the Wave blog, which you can find them on Twitter. They've got a, a Substack account that they are doing good work on the Green Wave about. And uh, Joe Broback, who is, you know, helped us out with a Q&A a couple of years ago with the uh, Fresno State Houston Hawaii Bowl Q&A a, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we reached out to him again. He was able to give us some information about the Cougars. So definitely be sure to check that out and give them a follow on the social medias at a, at a minimum. Is, uh, is he still with the Underdog Dynasty or no? Yes, he is. Okay, it's making sure because you didn't bring up a beginning. I, I kind of perused the DMs because we're on the same thread there. I was like, I think yes. Okay, so go check. Yeah, he, had a, he had another bigger publication that I think was a little more Power Five centric. But yeah, he's still doing work over at Underdog okay. Dynasty. So sure. Okay, so the games we have this week, bowl season is obviously minimal with three total. As we mentioned, a pre- recap if you missed it. Boise's decide not to go to a bowl game. And as you put it elo- eloquently, and I'll say it less elo- eloquently because I can't speak today, shut up if you're if you're freaking out about Boise not going to a bowl game. Just shut up and go away. Right? <laughs> yes. Like I mean, uh, like with and I and I said this in our, our group DM among the among our writers, but just to, to kind of put this out there for everybody, the the players, the coaches, the people who are putting in the work don't owe you anything. And without being in the room, it's really hard to imagine just how you know, not only how physically demanding it is, as it always is, but, you know, the mental challenges that are far different from what anybody in that room is accustomed to dealing with. Like, think about the New Mexico players who haven't yeah. been in Albuquerque for oh, like six weeks at least and things. And that's just like one example or like San Jose State where they haven't been home for a few weeks because they've been playing in Vegas. Be about a month. Now they're they're going to be down in Tucson in about a week and a half. So, yeah, and and I say this as someone who's been working from home since mid-March, and even for me, my job is not physically demanding at all. It's not, you know, 
grueling in the same way that like being a young college athlete is 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 demanding and i have a hard time getting up for for doing my job too so same. you know yeah. they may have felt a certain way about wanting to push through at the beginning of the year back in july and august when some of the initial decisions were made and they have every right to feel differently at the end of it they don't owe you anything yeah and they don't get compensated well enough for what they provide um, it, it, like, I wouldn't say if you're a Boise fan, you can, you, here's what I say. I don't want to tell you to feel, but you can be a little bummed. Like, oh man, I'll see these guys one more time and be done with it. But don't mm-hmm. be thoroughly outraged or fans who are saying, well, excuses for losing these teams. We should never lose to Boise, BYU or San Jose State. But it's like, it's just a bowl game. Like they're, like we talked to the recap, like the playoff and ranking, like they don't, I don't care. Had Boise won? Yeah, they would have gone to the bowl game, right? I don't see, I don't have any doubt they would have gone to the Arizona Bowl if they won. Correct? Yeah, I, yeah, I would think that would be the most likely possibility. And they're talking about maybe playing Army, maybe playing Mississippi State, but it's like, whatever. Like they have, like here's what we mentioned before. Like the reason they had so many games canceled wasn't only because of COVID injuries, and then compounding that with guys who were out with COVID or contact tracing, their position limits minimums weren't being met because of. Especially defensive line, a couple of guys are out. So, like, just enjoy what you want to enjoy, but don't get overly upset with this. It's like these guys, like, it's not. It's also it's not a bowl trip where you go have fun. Like, typically, you spend what three, four, five days before doing some fun activities, messing around, light practice. But this is just yeah. You, you know how you know how they always use the term business trip. <laughs> this is literally this have literally been more like a business trip than like a fun thing. Yeah. And so just get off their back. Like, I could, you could be a little bummed they're not planning to see him again, but it's like, whatever. The season, everybody's season was weird and not great, unless you're like San Jose State, who had a once-a-century season, which we'll see if that continues in their bowl game. But mm-hmm. just chill. Let's get to the games. First game, afternoon football, Matt. Yep. Tuesday, December 22nd, 12, uh, yeah, ooh, 12.30 Pacific. I was going to say 12.30 Mountain. 12.30 Pacific, 1.30 Mountain on the Blue Turf in Albertson Stadium. Tulane versus Nevada. Okay, am I? Why is it Tulane a three point favorite? Can can we first start there because that I don't see that, especially with the we'll get to it later. But some key players Tulane's missing in this matchup. I imagine a lot of it has to do with the Tulane six and five record is a little bit deceptive. And you know, as we said at the top, you know, a lot of Mountain West fans, and I think you know myself included, I hadn't thought about the Green Wave until I started thinking about the questions that I wanted to ask uh, you know, JP Gooderham over at uh, Beer the Wave uh, mm-hmm. a few days ago. And you you go back and you look at kind of their body of work over the course of the year, and they were probably a little bit better than their record suggested. Like by SP Plus, for instance, they're a top fifty team. Um, I think they're forty fifth overall. Um, 47, excuse me. You compare that to Nevada. Nevada's down at number 72. And it's not like Tulane's been leaning on on one side of the ball or the other. You know, they have a very strong running game led by a trio of running backs who, you know, have combined for essentially six yards a carry. That's pretty good. Um, and, that's <laughs> some, and, and that's something they're going to have to contend with. You know, they had some shaky quarterback play in the first couple of weeks. But then they found a true freshman, Michael Pratt, who really stabilized the offense you know, he contributed a little bit as a runner and, you know, had a had a decent year for, for a freshman quarterback. You know, it was 55% completion rate, but... 18 touchdowns. Like 18 touchdowns. So, I mean, he had a pretty good year considering the situation he was being thrust into. Mm-hmm. 
And they were able to generate a really strong pass rush, too. Like, they were number one in the American in terms of, like, raw sacks. And it wasn't just a one-man effort, too. Like, Patrick Johnson, who I'm sure, I'm sure you'll, you'll touch more upon in a moment, had, you know, 10 sacks, which I believe was the most in the conference. They had six different guys with at least two and a half sacks. And, you know, the raw numbers are great, but if you want to translate that into sack rate— you know, that they were a top 25 team by that metric too, 8.6% overall. That's 22nd in the country. So, you know, for a Nevada offensive line that, you know, they, they held up fairly well over the course of the year, but I think in their kind of decisive game a couple of weeks ago against San Jose state, you know, Kate Hall, Viliami, Fahoko got the better of them they when did. it mattered the most. And, you know, that's, I think, where I start looking at this matchup and I see, you know, the Tulane has some defined strengths that Nevada, they've proven they can stop them, but they'll just need to prove it one more time. Like, they'll need to prove they can hold up, yeah. they can keep Carson Strong upright so he can take shots down the field, and they'll need to find a way to stop a running game. Okay, here's the thing, though. Patrick Johnson's not playing. Yes. Ten sacks on the year, leads the nation, which is deceitful because they, not, not deceitful, but 11 games. So he's, like, just under one sack a game. Mm-hmm. I, was looking, I was kind of sorting CFB stats by sacks per game. He's still a top 10 guy. Yes. So he's out due to his father passing away. First mm-hmm. team all AC. Was he – I saw something on PFF. Was he like the defensive lineman of the year or something? Was that him? I, 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 saw I don't something. recall. I, I do know that you know the other defensive end, Cameron Sample, who was an all-conference selection, I believe he was also on PFF's uh, you know, all-American team essentially. He's also game day decision. Game time well. decision. And, and they're also missing one of their defensive tackles as well. Devonter um, Williams, right? Yeah, uh, because, of, because Ch- of a child being yeah, born. Yeah, so a little, little bit of positive news on that front. Yeah, there you go. It's not, yeah. Uh, so but, that, you know, that like changes said, things it, a bit, though. A l- that changes it, it things does. a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit, I would say, because they're still good overall. Yeah, and so basically what I'm saying overall is that you know the green wave, especially up front, isn't going to be a pushover. No, and – the Wiggy Mitchell Wolfpack defensive front needs, or actually the offensive front needs to protect Carson Strong, mix in some different plays to keep him upright, whether it's, which they do already, move the pocket a bit, get Toa Tau involved, mix in some screens, um, mm-hmm. quick passes like that, which they'll need to do. It's just, uh, I don't know, this, the line was, this is from Chris Murray tweeted those things out about an hour ago. We're doing this at like almost 10 a.m. Pacific. So that line might probably would change when they lose two really good players. Yeah. When you, well, and 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 on top of that, you know, the guys that they're replacing with those those three stars, you know, now all of a sudden you've got two redshirt freshmen and a true freshman mm. starting on the defensive line: Angelo Anderson, Darius Hodges, and Eric Hicks Jr. I have to imagine that you know those guys haven't seen a ton of playing time this year relative to the stars who you know they've been productive all season long, and that's going to be a, a huge thing that that could work out in Nevada's favor because you know they've got a relatively experienced offensive line mm-hmm. and you know Jacob Gardner has very quietly one been one of the best freshmen in the Mountain West himself protecting Strong's blindside and so you know all of a sudden if you're if you're going from having to defend the you know the top two defenders on a, on a defense by pass rush against, you know, <laughs> and, and having to defend against a true freshman or a redshirt freshman instead, you have to feel a lot better about that matchup, both in terms of protecting the quarterback and in terms of opening running lanes. Yeah, that's also something as well to look at. But, like, those guys, like, what do they have? Here's a big matchup I want to see. Because I'm looking through kind of some research, kind of like the 
like they're overall pretty good too. And obviously they're six and five. You mentioned the record. Like they have a, a two losses that aren't great. The close loss to Navy, mm-hmm. eighteen point loss to Houston, which isn't good. Losing to SNU, close one, not too bad. UCF was a ton of points. They just couldn't keep up. Lose fifty one thirty four, and they almost upset Tulsa on the road. And yeah. so they like they beat Temple, they beat ECU, they beat the teams they should beat. They beat Memphis, who is um pretty good, usually pretty good, but they're eh, okay this year. A slightly down year. Yeah, but still, you would beat them by two touchdowns. But what the matchup honestly is like the offense of Carson Strong passing the ball versus that secondary. Mm-hmm. And looking through like what they've done, like they held fifty one to um, like I mentioned to UCF. Um, they, I they, their defense is weird because you're right, they're good, but like I see all these odd scores where. Giving up twenty points here, forty points here, fifty points here. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of think this could be a game where Carson Strong goes off. Like, not that it would be a big shocker to us, but like, couldn't Nevada with the Tulane, the Green Wave missing a couple key players, put up forty plus in this game? They absolutely could. Like, and to that to that point, you know, like the, there's a lot of teams in the American that get thrown against a lot, um, and Tulane had. It was sort of shaky in that regard when they couldn't get to the quarterback. You know, they they allowed a completion rate of about fifty nine percent, which is you know solid. But on the other hand, yards per play, you know, yards yards per attempt. Only Temple gave up more than than the Green Wave's eight point four yards per attempt, and and they gave up twenty two touchdowns and had only nine interceptions. So like they they do have some playmaking related on the back end. But that is absolutely the kind of thing that, that Romeo Dobbs and, and Melquan Stovall and, and Cole Turner could take advantage of, you know, whether it's underneath, you know, whether it's at the goal line with the with the fade that they exactly. seem to be able to work out at least once a game or, you know, just taking shots down the field to Dobbs and trying to reestablish that element of their game. I have the weirdest stat line in this and looking at their per game. Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at defense. Never mind. I thought I was looking at passing offense. I'm like. Never mind. I'm going to move on. But you're right. Like looking at who they played per game, like they pl- obviously Army is kind of an outlier. The few times they throw, they got a couple picks against them, which is expected when you win by three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But, like South Alabama put up 300 plus yards of them. Yeah. Like Navy, well Navy put up whatever you want to say, but 12 yards of play. SMU, UCF over three teams games of over 10 yards of play. If you take out the Army game, which you shouldn't because they played it. That kind of, it only skews a little bit because it's only thirty three passing yards, but I'll probably put it close, like eight point six, eight point eight. Like when they play teams that are good, they that are like they cannot good uh, passing games yeah, can beat this. Defense. Yeah, SMU, UCF, uh, Memphis did okay against them, or Tulsa a better example because they lost them. All the all four of the losses were team were the if I'm correct, uh, well three of the four were their worst passing defenses all year. Looks like if I'm correct on this. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, the Navy game, but two of the, the two worst, two of the top four, and in the top half of worst performances were losses. Yeah, essentially what I'm looking at here. But yeah, that's this is where like Toyota will get his stuff, but they're going to like Car Strong's have a huge game in this against this defense. No p- minimal pass rush with players out. Um, Toyota will do just fine. He doesn't need to have a big game. Give me 75 yards from him. That'll, I think that's plenty and reasonable to have. And then just mm-hmm. throw it to Dubs and Turner and everybody out there. Get let's like, um, yeah, Turner and Corey get all those guys that the, the f- freshmen and tight ends. Like, I kind of think this might be a blowout. Like, can you convince me otherwise? This isn't a game where it's Nevada should win by two touchdowns or more. Is there something on the Tulane offense we need to discuss that scares Nevada's defense at all? The running game. Okay, How, you think that's that's going to be the key helping the true freshman? They run the ball and then he'll Nevada's defense will kind of slowly shift to stop and they'll take some shots. 
Yeah, because you know the the Wolfpack have been fairly stout. You know, like without adjusting for stacks, they're they're allowing three point eight yards per carry, which is in the uh, the upper half of the of the Mountain West. But you know, some of the teams, you know, they they got gashed last week against San Jose State without Dom Peterson. Um, so I guess one of the things that I'm willing to keep an eye on, and I haven't heard anything on this front, is whether Peterson is going to play or not. I have to imagine that with you know, a week and a half of rest to be able to kind of heal up from the injury that he suffered a couple weeks ago, that he will be good to go. He's still listed atop the depth chart, so I would imagine that's probably a good sign. Mm-hmm. But that's something to keep an eye on because, you know, Tulane is one of the better running attacks that they've faced all year long. Like, you know, they've, and which is not to say that Nevada hasn't faced anybody in that regard. Yeah. You know, they were able to, to keep Wyoming in check. They were able to keep San Diego State in check. They were able to keep you know, a, a fairly diverse Hawaii offense in check in that regard. But, you know, that's something to keep an eye on because you might be able to make an argument that Tulane on the ground is better than any of them because their top three running backs, you know, Stephen Hudson, Cameron Carroll, Amari Jones, all three of those guys average at least five and a half yards per carry. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, so it's going to be really important, especially to, to get them behind schedule. Because one of the things that that Pratt really struggled with at quarterback, you know, despite having an overall successful year, is he might have been the worst quarterback in the American on third downs in particular. So if Nevada can set them up in more obvious passing down situations and really force Pratt to make plays more often than they want him to, that is a situation where they can dip, where they can turn the tide in their favor in the long run. But I think it's gonna it's gonna revolve in part around maybe getting an early lead, whether it's seven nothing, ten nothing. You know, I think they want to try and do what they can to get to lane off of their game, which is to control the clock, which is to run the ball and, you know, be able to to create plays through the air really only when they need to. That definitely true. It's one thing we need to touch on as well after that part, special teams. Mm-hmm. So look at the keys over just over at Nevada Sports that they have some stuff up there. Special teams is really good for Tulane. Nevada? Yes yes and no. Okay. But Nevada's also not really good either. Missing field goals, um, allowing big kick returns. Where is Tulane not good at? Because they have a first uh, the all first team All-American punter. Um, Merrick Glover is not great. Is your kicking, field goal kicking where he's not great 9 of 14? Is that yeah, Merrick Glover. Yeah, and, and to that point, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier about SP+, I said that Tulane was, was 47th overall, mm-hmm. right? So they're 33rd on offense, 64th on defense, and 123rd on special teams. That's weird. Why is that? Because they do some good stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just haven't been able to finish drives as often as they probably should. Given 14. And so if you look at you know Glover versus Brandon Talton, yeah, Talton missed uh, that really crucial Oof. field goal before halftime against San Jose State. But he's still one of the best kickers in the country. Yeah, that's about the and only so thing think, he missed all year. And, and Julian Diaz... For his own part, is still, you know, I think Nevada is still in the top ten nationally in terms of net punting. So I would say that that's probably a draw. Mm-hmm. You know, whichever team I think can force more long fields is gonna have the advantage in the long run. But I think if it comes down to that, I like Nevada's odds in that situation, just because in terms of you know points per drive when you start inside the twenty, for instance. You know, Tulane might have the advantage overall on the offensive side of the ball uh, in terms of like net points per drive. 
But when it comes to the long drives, starting inside the 20, they're 102nd nationally. And when you compare that to Nevada, you know, they, like I said, they're, they're a little bit worse overall. I'm trying to find that number real quick. I can't find them for some reason. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, they're 43rd by that same measure. They're, they're scoring twice as many points when they start inside their own 20 as Tulane. So, you know, both punters could definitely be a big factor in this game, especially if they can pin the other, uh, the other offense deep. But I think Nevada could still work the game in their favor, even if they end up having field position work against them as the game goes along. So, like, what's the big diff? Like, we can wrap up here before we move on to the other game, I think. What's, like, the big... I'll answer this while I'm not asking you all the questions here, Matt. But like, what's your biggest uh, discrepancy in favor of Nevada? Is it the passing game versus the pass defense? Or I think off- so. offense versus defense? Mm-hmm. Like... Okay, if it's the same for me. What would your be like the biggest weakness? Like Tulane has the biggest edge over Nevada. I honestly think it's going to be in. It, I, I see it as a game where the defense that can force more stops, or maybe just even one more stop, or even better to create a turnover, is going to be the defense that wins this game. But I think that's a big if because you know when you look at turnover margin, neither of these teams have a real significant advantage over the other. I yeah, that's like the running games. I would give it to Lane, but that's not a huge advantage compared to uh, what Nevada can do. Right? I'd say it's a slight edge. I mean, Def- I think they want to. I think they want to keep Nevada's offense off the field. Well, clearly, so they want to run the ball and hold and that's and how keep they it win away. That game. Yeah, to keep it away. Don't make it a shootout. Keep it fewer points. Because Nevada can score, as we've seen, like in 60 seconds or one play. Because the over-under is a decent 55 and a half. But yeah, I think if, if Tulane's going to win, you're right. Hold the ball, run the ball. Um, it also kind of depends if Don Peterson plays or not. If he plays, that's a big deal. But they have other guys to slow that down. But if they can, I think I think you're right. That's It's not like playing keep away. I don't want to downplay Tulane because their quarterback can throw reasonably well. And we've seen Nevada allow some big plays passing for teams that gone up against their pass defense is fine. I wouldn't call it uh, elite by any stretch, but it's good enough. Like they played San Jose State, and they kind of t- ripped them apart a little bit. Like so, that's an area where if that true freshman can get some help and get some confidence playing out there, and the running game gets going, that again, like I mentioned earlier, it'll kind of adjust the defense a little bit, just for um, what Nevada is going to want to do. And I, but it's not keep away. It's them establishing the run, and then not going to take what they get receiving or passing-wise because Nevada, here, like looking at yards per game, they're near the bottom of the conference. That's not a good stat to use. But like uh, when you look at yards per allow, they're pretty good. They're about six, just almost 7, 6.8, only three picks all year, and they played eight games. So I think they want to run first, clearly hold the ball, but then they'll pass. They're not going to change their complete offense just because of what Nevada can do. But I think that's what they're going to want to do, maybe run a touch more because – Tulane, I don't believe they. While well, they score points, I don't think they have the explosiveness to do it to match Nevada if it starts going point for point, touchdown for touchdown. I think that they could, but I guess we'll see. And I think it's tough. Right? I'd give. It's possible. I think Nevada has more edge in doing that. Like, who do you trust more, an upperclassman quarterback or a true freshman? I mean, that's a good point. So, like, I'm not saying they can't, but I would lean toward Nevada having that advantage. Mm-hmm. So, any any final thoughts on this particular matchup? Not that I could think of. If you want to go to predictions, all right. Does, do we have SP plus FEI? Is that we right? do? Oh, excellent. We're not waiting. On yeah, that. both the uh, both the uh, SP plus and FEI are out. Um, both favor the Green Wave, though. Unfortunately, mm. um, not by much though. Uh, SP plus favors them by five point four, sixty two percent win probability. 
and FEI favors Tulane by 3.7. And you're looking at a, at a three-point line right now in favor of the Green Wave. I think that's going to change to maybe pick them because of those defenders out. So with Possibly, the, yeah. uh, F, F, FPI, 61% for Tulane. I, or what are we missing here? What am I missing here to think Tulane should be favored? What, what's what's going on here? That's a good question. I, I don't trust computers anymore. I don't trust the platform community anymore. I don't trust humans. I don't trust <laughs> so does, anything. Does, I'm, I'm assuming that you're probably taking the wolf pack. Yeah, aren't you? No. Wow, Matt. Jeez. Give me your prediction first because I need to react to what you're going to say. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it will come down to a game of keep away. And I think even without some of its biggest stars, that Tulane, I think that I think their ability to run the ball is going to have a, an effect in the long run as to how much damage the, that Nevada can actually do. So I think it'll be close. But I would take Tulane to cover minus three. I would take I've got them winning thirty five to thirty one. Oh man. All right. I have Nevada forty, Tulane thirty five. Send your thank yous to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Next game, are we ready for the uh, – it's not Hawaii Bowl Christmas Eve late game, but guess what, Matt? We do have Hawaii in a Christmas Eve Bowl game. In the New Mexico Bowl in At, Frisco, Texas. Texas is the home to all your bowl games. You have the, the Not Rose Bowl. You have the Frisco Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl. That's the same as Lockheed Martin Bowl, right? <laughs> I think so. I have no idea. First Responders Bowl. Cotton they change bowl. names too often. The actual Cotton Bowl. The whatever bowl, but yeah, they're home to all your bowl games. So we have Hawaii, which was a pretty fairly big surprise that they're going to bowl game over like San Diego State getting picked up. Well, I think it was because, and I think the San Diego Union Tribune explained this, I believe it was Kurt Kenny, that Hawaii owned the tiebreakers against both uh, San Diego State and Fresno. Okay. And that's what it came down to? Or something like that. I forget exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Hawaii versus Houston. At Frisco, um, whatever, yeah, it's in Frisco Stadium, Toyota Stadium, 12.30 Pacific. That's 10.30 a.m. Hawaii time. Am I correct on that? Uh, yes. Verse 3 and 4 Houston Cougars. Hey, Matt, this is time for American Dominance. Go 2-0 and versus AAC. Right. It is ESPN game. How is Houston a 13-point favorite? I don't like these lines. What is Vegas doing here? I don't appreciate this. That seems out of line. So this is another situation like Tulane and Houston are kind of in the same boat where the record might be a little bit deceptive. I don't care because they've only played seven games. Yeah. 
But SP Plus, just going back to that well again, they have Houston ranked 51st. And just to put that in compare, just to put that in context, they're right behind San Jose State. Hmm. Um, so here, so, so it's the kind of thing where you know they they may have just kind of flown under the radar simply because they only went three and four, and their first they five games they haven't played or couple, something. <laughs> yeah, they had to re- relocate so many games. I think they played exactly once in like the last month or something like that against Memphis. Yeah. yeah, they they played on November 14th against South Florida and then played on December 12th against Memphis, and now they're playing a bowl game. Oh, man. I, I saw Houston play versus BYU. Their first half was pretty good. Like, they were ahead, I think. It was close. But then BYU just rattled off, um, like, four straight touchdowns, just beat them behind the woodshed in the second half, scoring 29 straight points. Mm-hmm. It was 20-14 to 14 at halftime. They just couldn't keep up with the offense. And... Not that I'm not going to compare Hawaii's offense to BYU's offense, but Hawaii's offense has the, not like last year, but potential for big plays. Like we saw the comeback versus Boise State. Their their offense is capable of doing that. And then we look at Houston, who they played. Like they lost to BYU, which is a good team, 43-26. They did beat Navy, but they weren't competitive versus UCF. They weren't competitive versus Cincinnati. Like their two best teams on the schedule, they, well, well, three, I guess. But BYU, they were competitive for a half. But like the UCF game, they lost by three touchdowns. Like, I don't get how a team who's not close to your top of the conference is favored by almost two touchdowns in this type of game. I just don't yeah, see why. I don't see the favor. I don't see. I should be much closer. There's not that discrepancy, I don't think, between the teams, even though they played a tougher schedule, I believe, overall. I mean, I think what it comes down to is they showed an ability to do what they were, like you said, what they were expected to do against teams that they should beat. And, and I think the disparity in total offense between the three games that they won and the four games that they lost is pretty telling in that regard. Because even when, even in the games they lost, they still averaged about 5.2 yards per play, which is, you know, it's not great, but it's not bad. But in the three games they won, they averaged over six six 6.7, almost 6.8 yards per play. And that, I think, is where you start looking at this game is, you know, we kind of know what Hawaii's defense is is at this point Mm -hmm. and we know that they're they're much stingy overall defending the pass than you know defending the run which makes for a really interesting matchup in this regard because you know clayton toon has had a pretty good year and and maybe he hasn't gotten enough attention by virtue of the fact that like i said they haven't played much over the last month their first month Um, was wiped away but you know he had his best year yet in his kind of his first unquestioned year as a starter, sixty percent completion rate, thirteen touchdowns to seven interceptions, um, and and he's got a good wide receiver crew that's going to provide a pretty good test for you know the Hawaii secondary. You know Keith Corbin is there, Marcus Stevenson averaged over fifteen yards a catch. They've got three guys, excuse me, four, five guys, excuse me who had at least 17 catches and averaged 12 yards catch. That'll be tough to cover, yeah. It's, so it's not like they're going to have one guy that, that Hawaii's going to be able to focus on either. But, you know, what Hawaii, I think, was was softest against was the running game, and that, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch in this game because, you know, Toon contributed a little bit on the ground. You know, he averaged over four yards of carry. But other than that, you know, their trio of senior runners, Kyle Porter, Mulbach Carr, and Chandler Smith, they didn't really do that much on the ground. You know, they're, they're averaging as a team without adjusting for sacks about four, four and a quarter yards per carry. That's, you know, that's slightly below average, I think. And, you know, against a Hawaii front that has really kind of struggled to defend the run, 
that might provide an opportunity for the Warriors to kind of turn that narrative around and, and be more disruptive than they have been. Because Houston's not great on that front, and it's more of a like a strength-on-strength matchup and a weakness-on-weakness matchup when you think about Houston's offense versus Hawaii's defense. True. When you look at uh, Houston's pass offense, though, they are allowing seven interceptions. They have mm-hmm. thrown seven this year. Yeah, and that's something else to keep an eye on, too, that's because they're, I think they're minus seven overall in turnover margin. And and I think a lot of that was concentrated in the fact that they, they were minus five against Tulane in their season opener. Yikes. <laughs> um, but, you know, in their last five games, you know, they were still minus two. They only have six takeaways as a team against, you know, 13 giveaways on the year. So that, I think that's something else that Hawaii might be able to take advantage of, especially if they can force tune into more obvious passing situations because, you know, he's had a better year. But I think it's fair to say that he's been a little bit up and down in that regard. So I think if they could force him into a mistake, they can give their offense a chance to succeed. You know, and they've been you know okay about turning those kinds of turnovers into points this year. But that's the thing. Like their pass defense, wise is really good. And so if Houston's already throwing seven picks, won a game. Like I don't doubt like they could move the ball, Houston, because they've done it. Like it's just a tough schedule. Like Tune could throw the ball. You mentioned the. The amount of receivers they can—they're not throwing. It's like they're not Colorado State throwing to two guys. Mm-hmm. They're spreading to everybody. Like maybe we could see a Colt, like uh, not Colt Brian. I think I'm thinking old old high quarterback. Like what we saw with um, sorry a title game. Nick Starkle threw it to like twelve different guys. If that's if they do something like that, that could spread out this Hawaii secondary and make it a bit more difficult. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: Tune in his last four games has six touchdowns and five interceptions. <laughs> To me, that seems like it's something that Hawaii can can feel good about because you know they've shown an ability to you know not only create you know create passes defensed yeah but you know they were number one in the conference with you know nine interceptions this year and that's something that I think is worth keeping an eye on because not just Cortez Davis back there making all the plays it's really been kind of a team effort you know and I think it's going to be incumbent on their young guys. You know, guys like Cameron Lockridge, guys like Michael Washington to really step up and, and do their part to keep, you know, what I would imagine is a more experienced Houston wide receiver core from taking advantage of them. So what what do we see here? Like we see the one issue I always see like in this game or in any game all year for a while is the running game. It's literally non-existent. And so when we well, look, and now they're going to be without Miles Reed. Oh, I didn't know that. Dang it. Because he's in, he has, he's in the transfer portal now. Oh, I'm, did we update our, our chart on that? Our website. Our, we did. Okay, thank you. You've been on top of that the past month or two. I took uh, earlier season. You're taking over now. So, was there a particular reason, or he just um, did he? Why, or did he say, or just a portal respect my decision? No interviews. I do, I do not recall <laughs> off the top of my head. But you know, now they have. Yeah, of course they have Calvin Turner, who get him the know, ball. He is amazing. We know they'll we know they'll find ways to get him the ball. He's the Swiss Army knife, the glue that kind of makes this offense go. Now they're turning to Day Day Hunter, who is you know he's shown some flashes, and I think that you know they can feel you know good about plugging him in, but it really comes down to how much is Chavon Cordero going to be able to get loose? I think that's basically been kind of the central question for Hawaii's offense all year long. When he does, then they're pretty good and they're very hard to stop, and when he can't, then I think the rest of the offense tends to sputter. No, that's true. Yeah, so like if they don't pass well, they're in trouble. Like yeah, that's a big problem. So looking at Houston's rush defense, 
They are middle of the pack in the American. They're like 4.3 carry, give about 12 touchdowns in seven games. So it's an okay defense. I'm just wondering how much Hawaii's going to want to run the ball. Are they just going to come out gunning, gunning and slinging, whatever you want to call it? It's like just throwing the ball because they can't run the ball. Like I think they're. I mean, I think they're more passive. I think they're going to have to try though, because yeah, yeah, you have to try. Because you know, even though they played fewer games than Tulane has, one thing that both the Cougars and the Green Wave have in common, you know, if, if you look at rates rather than raw totals, the Cougars have an even better pass rush than mm-hmm. Tulane does. You know, their sack rate as a team is nine point nine, which is seventh overall in the FBS, and they're really no slouches against the run either. Like they're top fifty in terms of line yards. They're 26th by opportunity rate. They're you know, 15th by power success rate, 19th and stuff rate. So you know, even though the raw numbers don't necessarily jump out, you know, Peyton Turner, I think, is the kind of their their mean guy with 10 and a half tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, this is a front seven that has four different guys with at least five tackles for loss in seven games. And, you know, Hawaii's gonna have to find a way to 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 keep them honest because I thought I I mean, I don't think they're going to have an easy time if they just try and play a game of pitch and catch because, one, they're not as explosive as they were last year Nope. when it comes to, to throwing the ball. And, you know, I don't think they necessarily want to expose Cordero like that or else it could end up being a lot like the San Diego State game we saw a month or a month and a half ago. Is there any special teams discrepancy in favor? So when you know Turner, he can return kicks. Do you, when you're chatting with your Q and A, was that brought up about what Houston does well or not well in special teams? Uh, I mean, not that I can recall, but you know, in terms of like qualified punters, it is worth keeping in mind that you know Houston has a freshman in Lane Wilkins who, you know, for freshman punter, he had a pretty decent year. He averaged over, he averaged 41 yards per punt. It's not mm. bad. But in terms of like punters in the conference, among qualifiers, he was he was next to last. Okay. In that regard, um, you know, field goal kicking, he, he was uh, they have their kicker Dalton Witherspoon, who was eight of ten. Yeah. So I mean, I think they're probably fine in that regard. And you know, just going back to SP plus for another minute, I think that the fact that they're top fifty in that regard kind of bears that out as well. Let me ask you another quick question. I'll bring this up. So, like, we look at their schedule. Like they play, here's who they end up playing in order. Tulane, BYU, at Navy, UCF, Cincinnati, USF, and then Memphis. Where would you put Hawaii in that mix? Like, as for comparable opponents, like in skill set, strength of schedule, difficulty? Probably in the bottom half. Bot- so closer to Tulane than um, US- well, like USF? Tulane, yes. kind of? Be- Who would you say better, Hawaii or Memphis? Memphis. Memphis did go 7 and 3. Okay. I can see that. But this schedule is pretty tough. That doesn't mean Hawaii is a bad only, team. The only team that the Warriors are definitively better than are Navy and South Florida. That's it. Did they play ECU? They did not. Okay, I must have, I must have my Tulane schedule up here. Because they're not better than BYU. I don't think they're better than UCF. Clearly not Cincinnati. Not um, They didn't play SMU. Do you think they're better than SMU? Hawaii? Uh, Hawaii? Yeah. No. What did Vance number say? Because I think you're leaning toward a Hawaii defeat here. So they both, <laughs> both the SP Plus and FBI do favor Houston, um, depending on which one you trust more. Um, the Cougars are favored by SP Plus by 13.6. This is 78% win probability. Uh, FEI favors them by 8.4. I, I, I like... 
Like, Cape and Four is more palatable. I just don't get the two touchdown talk. Like, can you convince – do you have a rational reason to say why they're a two-touchdown favorite after we, what we've been going through? Like, their quarterback plays okay. Um, they're losing games. Their defense can allow a lot of points. Like, they don't seem like a team that's shining overall in any particular category to say they'd be that much better than Hawaii. I have to imagine if they that Vegas sees Hawaii as being one of the softer opponents that they played this year. I get that, but and and you know, given the fact that you know Hawaii's been kind of up and down, you know, from week to week, like the offense can be mm-hmm. firing on all cylinders, and then the next week it could sputter. And you know, maybe it's just a matter of you know they're not sure how the Warriors' offense, in particular, is going to hold up against a very strong front seven. I guess that could be the point because looking at Hawaii, the there are two teams they played that are really good defensively. San Diego State and Wyoming, they combined for 17 points. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's for thinking. Worth like, noting, too, both of those games were on the road. Yeah, on the road. And they beat Fresno. The other road game was beating, beating Fresno. Sorry to bring it up, 34-19. But, <laughs> but maybe, I guess maybe that's what it is. But I, I'm i taking Hawaii to win. I'm getting, It might be too much of a homer by taking Hawaii. Because I see there's a path for them to win. I don't see this being a blowout or a double-digit victory or defeat. Are you in that same? So, so what's your so what's your prediction then? My prediction. What's the over under? Your score, rather. Is it fifty five? The over under. Fifty nine and a half. Yeah, I'm seeing it as sixty and a half. Okay, I'm going Hawaii thirty, Houston twenty eight. Okay. I'm believing in the Warriors. Do you believe in the Warriors, Matt? I do not. <laughs> what What's your score and kind of your wrap up thought? Uh, so I've got Houston. I mean, I, I think that the Warriors can cover thirteen. I think they'll make it. I think they'll definitely keep it a competitive game. I just, like I said, I wonder how the offense is going to hold up against Houston's defense. I think that's ultimately going to be kind of the difference in the game. I thought their offense would be better than what I've seen from week to week, I can which see is that. why, which is why I think you know they'll they'll be able to land some blows. I just don't think it'll be enough, and I don't know if the, the Hawaii defense, by by comparison, will be able to to do the same and, and really contain Houston's offense. So I've got the Cougars winning 38 to 28, 38, 28. Like I could see like this game, like I don't think it's a blowout. I, your score, I, I think your score is a touch high, but you're right. If the Hawaii's offensive front can give them a little bit more time and not allow to get to Cordero, but I think it'd be a close one, but I just, I just feel maybe it's just me thinking about it, that I like Turner. I like what Cordero can do. Cause here's the thing when they're going well, they're really good. But the problem is, Matt, as you mentioned, they're not as consistent or they've been up and down a bit. When they play good defense, they struggle. They fell behind early versus Boise, made a pretty big comeback, chasing points with two point conversions to lose by eight. But then again, they did beat Nevada by I mean, playing a great defensive I think, scheme, I think too. Hawaii, I think Hawaii is still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And I think that being a work in progress against a team like Houston at this juncture just isn't going to be enough. You think Dana Holgerson's going to get it done? I think so. I guess so. All right. Well, that's your prediction there. I predict two and zero. Matt predicts zero and two. So again, hate mail accordingly or fan mail <laughs> if you like. <laughs> uh, you can you can at me Matt K underscore FS if you feel so inclined. That's fine. Go for it. You can politely disagree. We don't like. We don't want to have stupid people on our mention. Just speak. Uh, if you disagree with either of us, let us know peacefully. It'd be nice. Maybe a zinger here and there is okay, but just uh, keep it simple. Keep it nice, right? Yeah. You're not afraid to interact with people, but we will use the mute button when necessary. Just saying. Uh, any final thoughts on this set of bowl games? Anything else we need to get to? I think we're all set. No transfer portal guys I missed besides Miles Reed. 
No. All right, so we'll we'll here's our here's our plan for the week. It's Christmas week, so stay safe, um, stay warm, all that great stuff. We have one more game after this. It is the Arizona game on good old CBS. We'll preview later this week and or, or next week and the recapping, but we'll be that's our final bowl game. We'll be back, um, I believe, Sunday night typically to recap these games, but check the website for the Q&As Matt's already put up. We'll have a couple other things about these bowl games. Um, yeah, it'll be kind of a light week on the website, but we'll have some stuff out there. So if you want to ignore your family, which again, Matt, this game is Christmas Eve, so it's a time to kind of uh, step away a little bit in that uh, Hawaii time slot, right? Just a yeah, bit you know, just you know, grab, grab a mimosa, have a have a like a brunch at home, get yeah. a big stack of like pancakes or something like that, and enjoy the game. Yeah, it makes sense. Late up mid afternoon, avoid your family, but I guess you have to talk with them at dinner time, right? Yes. We can't help you there this year around. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be back. So subscribe if you made it this far. We love it. Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Basically, just search Mount Westwire and go hit that subscribe button and let us know you like it. And we'll be back in a couple of days to talk some more, um, wrapping up these games, Mount West Football.